Welcome to the Arden Labs podcast. My name is Bill Kennedy, and our special guest today is Gergay Brotigum. Oh, I love that name, Gergay. I'm sorry. I just that's that's an awesome name, dude. Your parents your parents did did well there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, tell everybody where you're coming from. I'm coming from Hungary, and um, from Budapest. I was originally born in Oroszlány. <laughs> which is a hundred kilometers from Budapest, but um, moved into Budapest. I love that city. I, I, I went to that city one time and I was like, why is nobody talking about this city? This is like the hidden gem of Europe, the city. I want to go back as a tourist for like a week. That's how much I love that city. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> as a tourist, it's amazing. There are a lot of very nice views. And we were overjoyed that it was uh, featured in Black Widow quite extensively. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 it was. Okay, so this podcast is about you. We're going to spend the next hour or so talking about kind of your journey. But it helps if everybody gets a kind of a, a quick understanding of what you're doing right now today. Okay. So currently I'm a Go developer at VWorks. And I'm working on the next best thing on, uh, on for Kubernetes. And I've been doing a lot of uh, development in around uh, cloud infrastructure and infrastructure provisioning and, um, and things like that, uh, mostly in Go for the past five to six years or so. And before that, I was actually a test engineer for a very, very long time, for more than 10 years, I think. Yeah, that's that's quite an interesting journey to get get from there to to my current. So, are you like you're you're coding like, you know, I know how to start Kubernetes, I know how to deploy my services to Kubernetes, but I mean, there's a whole <laughs> programming API around that, right? Are you doing a lot of that, like you're writing controllers or uh, all the other little things that you can kind of build into it? Uh, yes, I have been, but currently. Not so much. Currently, more more of a tooling uh, part. But before that, I was I was writing operators, yes, uh, to provision actual Kubernetes clusters on AWS, on GCP, on Google Cloud, and uh, Azure, uh, respectively. And that was that was quite fun. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say fun. Some of this stuff is pretty like, uh, you know, when I I know I was reading some stuff here on it. I just feel like some of it is really abstracted away. Like, I don't know, but I guess it's, it's what makes it powerful, right? Your ability to plug in and customize the environment. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it is, it is a hassle and it is a hassle mostly because, uh, because of documentation and how things are still in flux and uh, the amazing speed at which uh, Kubernetes just plows on and deprecates this and deprecates that in like the, the next release. <laughs> and so sometimes when we wrote something in the next uh, release, it wasn't working anymore or it was working differently. And like, okay, so we need to change now two or three services. And I'm like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> so it's, uh, it is a constant battle, but, um, but I think if you look at the end result of what we, what we have done at that point, it's it's quite amazing. 
all the extras that you can get in, in working with Kubernetes and, uh, and writing these operators. It's amazing. I mean, I've been doing uh, uh, build engineering way before Kubernetes with uh, Chef, Ansible, Puppet, and all of the configuration management tools. And they are, they are amazing as well, but a lot of things that come bonded with Kubernetes, you had to, you had to write yourself. You had to deal with that yourself, like uh, resources and server restarts and server management and all that. And Kubernetes just gave us the tools to do that by calling an API endpoint. So how far away do you think we are before the, we never use the word Kubernetes again? Like how many times do you use the word Linux like in a week? Do you actually say it or you have to configure it? Like almost, I'm going to say never for me, right? But I still have to know Kubernetes. I still have to know YAML service descriptions and all, all that stuff, right? I've been trying to figure out where that line is in the sand, and I think I have figured it out for the developer side of things. I never want to administer a Kubernetes environment. But, but at some point, even that should go away, right? So how long do you think, how far out are we before the idea of Kubernetes existing is just a layer and developers aren't even thinking about it anymore. I think I think that's that's a very good question. <laughs> I think it's still at least at least ten years before that that will like properly incorporate into things. And even then, it it might still not be uh, abstracted enough in order to disappear. I feel like there is still a lot of uh, uh, buttons that you need to press in order for that stuff to, to like actually work. I know that the cloud providers have done a good job with UIs to you know ask you things, but a lot of it still feels Kubernetes-ish. Like I know why you're asking mm -hmm. me that, and I know why you're asking me this, right? And at some level that's good, but at some point I just want to be able to say, you're asking me this and it has, I'm not tying it back to Kubernetes. I'm tying it to just that I have to deploy it, right? I mean, I'm already at a point where I know I'm constructing a Docker image, but I, I have doubts that that's really what's happening once I upload this stuff. Like, I'm sure it's all getting converted into something else, right? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. I just, just trying to think when that happens. Hopefully I'm retired by then and it's not gonna matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, you got a long point. time to go. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> sometimes that's good, sometimes that's a bit uh, like hard. Yeah, thinking about all this and uh, all the moving parts. I mean, VWorks is actually like what I'm working on right now. I I hope uh, that that will make people go go easier with Kubernetes. Like my brother. Uh, also tried Kubernetes recently. He's a he's a very old-fashioned uh, developer who who didn't really touch uh, infrastructure up until now, where he wanted to deploy his own stuff into uh, into a Kubernetes cluster. And then he talked to me, and I'm like, "Bro, what is all this? Like, where where do I even begin? What what's happening?" <laughs> <laughs> and like, "All right, welcome to my world." <laughs> You know, it took me a couple of years, I mean, honestly, to wrap my head around it, to even feel comfortable. Yeah, me too. I, the best thing I, I did uh, was reading uh, Kubernetes Up and Running 
that book really put it together for me, like really the architecture and where things like come come from. I'm not saying I understood Kubernetes. No, 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 far from that. But it helped me a lot to internalize where things are happening and why. And that's and that that point made it easier to then go to the documentation of Kubernetes and try to find what I'm looking for because I understood what I'm actually looking for. And so, yeah, that reading that book, like uh, 125 pages at that time was, uh, was really, really, really uh, worth it. It's interesting because I, you know, uh, just to interrupt real quick, I have that book. I bought it when it came out and I read it and it meant nothing to me. I'm wondering now if I sit down and read it after hearing you say that, I bet you light bulbs will go on for me now. I, I, it's, I don't think it's one of those books that if you're completely clueless, like I was at the time, it, it, it makes sense. But maybe I'm going to read it now. You got me thinking that I think I'm going to have to sit and read that book now. It just helped me to understand the, the, the reason and the moving parts. I, I'm not saying it helped me understood, understand uh, or even use <laughs> Kubernetes properly. That, was, that came like much, much later while, by, uh, by building my own stuff and trying to deploy it and wrecking a couple dozen clusters in the process. Oh, I mean, <laughs> if you don't blow things up, you're not learning, man. <laughs> right. That's it. Just hopefully you're blowing up stuff that doesn't like 100% matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I really hope. I really hope so. <laughs> well, no, I, I destroyed the first computer my mom bought. It was like a $1,500 computer running DOS, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I wiped out a bunch of stuff on the route of the hard drive and it wouldn't boot again. And I panicked for like four hours until I got it back up and running with the docs. Like I broke this thing, it's super expensive, right? But what I learned in those four hours was, right? So, so back to your point, you gotta, you gotta break some eggs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because then, right? So I, for example, I broke a cluster by, uh, by not defining resource limits for a cron job. And it blew up completely and it ate away all of the resources and the rest of the services just died. So one time I woke up, wake up and none of my services work. I'm like, what happened? But that made me realize that, okay, okay. So setting resource limits is important. All right. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what I struggle with now is knowing, knowing where to look to figure out what is going on. Like mm. that's half my battle now. And I, um, I have some friends who I can just reach out. Where do I look for that? And they tell me. And I'm just like, so sometimes that's half the battle. All right, wait. wait okay, so we, we got we to gotta get this podcast going. We're going to talk about all that again all right. near the end. But, uh, but this is a, a story about you and your journey to how you've become this Kubernetes guru. And the first question that I love to ask everybody is to jump back into the time machine and think about that first experience, the first experience that pops in your head uh, with you working on a computer like just the, the first experience so that was my my first would be working on a zx spectrum spectrum back in the old days um, um figuring out how to output something on 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 the terminal on the screen how old are you i think i was eight or nine ish something like that it was really interesting because i grew up with my brother who is three years older than me. 
and uh, who pretty much hogged the, the, the computer, the only computer that we had. <laughs> so it was more, more like uh, a seeing and learning what my brother was doing and what, what he was uh, trying to accomplish. And, and then trying the same once I actually had a bit of time on the, with the computer itself. And we had only, we had only, we had the privilege of owning like one. And I remember we bought uh, these magazines where there was lines and lines and pages and pages of, uh, of code, which you typed in line by line. And if you messed something up in the middle, <laughs> you had to like, all right, this didn't do what it was supposed to do. So okay let's go back to line number one and then you know compare 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 we're talking about basic right basic yeah oh yeah programs. basic um let me also just get a time frame when did you say graduate high school or or start yeah what, I, I don't know if you call it high school i don't remember what they call it here but like the high school equivalent in the u.s when did you graduate grade school or high school uh when the the last one the last school i went to yeah like um what year was it when you finished all your grade schooling? Um, two, 2004, I believe. 2004. Uh, but that was, that was um, including a two-year, like, um, kind of like a, a, a certificate kind of thingy, uh, which was all about computer science. Like two years. I, didn't, I don't have like a master's degree. I, th I think you call it, no, wait, a bachelor's. Undergraduate, yeah. A four-year yeah. degree in the U.S. is the bachelor's, yeah. So I don't I don't have that because uh, I wanted to, to I wanted to work as early as possible like I wanted to to go to work and I had a friend who <clears throat> who did this two year uh, training basically which was all about computer science math databases and and history of computer science uh, operating systems Linux such just straight computer science almost like trade almost like a trade school for that which you finished right after you finished all of your other kind of grade work. so 2004 you're you're kind of done with schooling there yeah but uh, it's a longer story than that because i am really bad at schools like for for a long 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 time i was pretty bad at schools because um i kind of I kind of have this way of um, losing interest if something doesn't quite interest me, and um, and and in school there was like a lot of things which did not interest me. <laughs> yeah, so go go back to when you're so go back to like when you're 15, right? Because at least in the U.S., high school is like 15 or you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, or 15 through 18, depending on when you start. Like those four years are, are really important years because this is when you're starting to really get a sense of what you think you want to do with your life at that point, right? So when you're like 15 through 17, 18, and you're, and you're, and you're doing that schooling, what is interesting you in school? What isn't interesting you in school? Where, where do you think, what do you, what are you thinking you're going to do even before you get into that computer course? Yeah, that is a super, super great question because actually I always knew I'm going to be a, a programmer. Like from, I don't know, from, from the first time I saw that ZX Spectrum, I knew I, I want to do this professionally. 
like uh, and and so was my brother and maybe maybe my brother my brother is one of my great influences right uh, he was a computer scientist, a programmer, so I wanted to be a programmer as well. I didn't have a dad. Our dad like left us uh, really early, and um, so he was the only one who I was uh, looking up to. And but even regardless of him doing his stuff, I enjoyed computer science. And uh, in the in Hungary, it's like uh, you have eight years of uh, school of uh, general school, and then you have four to six years of uh, of the next uh, higher school and then you have the colleges and and whatnot and uh, so in the first eight years uh, i enjoyed math physics chemi uh, chemistry um, biology because my teachers were able to engage me and i i always enjoyed math but regardless from that uh, and then computer science came in around seventh or eighth grade, and uh, I excelled at that. But not because of my teacher, but because I really loved the subject. And my teacher was actually trying to get me expelled at some point because <laughs> he was a really bad. He was a really bad teacher. But uh, I changed all of the passwords on all of the machines, and he couldn't log in anymore <laughs> because I. I obtained the administrative uh, administrator password like pretty easily, and I'm all right. Let's do this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's seventh, eighth grade. I mean, you're like 13, 12, 13 years old yes. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, 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 I want to jump back to that, but I was kind of curious about your brother. Did you have a relationship with your brother where if he was working on the computer and you came by, he told you to like? get out of there or would he let you sit there and work with you nope unfortunately we didn't uh we didn't quite have a, a really good relationship in the beginning eventually it it uh, it became a very good relationship luckily but in the beginning we we kind of weren't we like fought a lot i didn't uh intrude in, into his domain uh too much and um so yeah no <laughs> so you really had to wait you had to wait for him to kind of leave to get any time on that computer yes yeah i gotta hand it to him though that if i asked something about programming he he, he kind of did uh, uh answer so like uh, i didn't understand for loops uh that this was later on i didn't understand for loops very well and he did explain them to me where i understood them then so i <laughs> I gotta give credit for that. Well, I think that's fair. Like he, that was his time, and he wanted his time, but he was there to answer questions, so that's good. Uh, did you end up? You must have upgraded that computer in the house at some point. Did you each get your own computer prior to say that eighth grade? Yeah, uh, we had. After that, we had the Commodore uh, 64, and then we had uh, we had the Pentium. At some point, one, two, three, four, all, all four. <laughs> we went through all four. We usually got like a, sec a second hand something from somewhere. Uh, but at that point, I did get my own computer and then and then started to work with it. However, as also an interesting tale that um, I didn't end up coding for a long time because um, I mostly enjoyed video games. <laughs> so they kind of when I had time. I I usually played uh, video games. 
So these computers, was your mom an influence in getting them, or you just you, you and your brother were able to kind of just hustle hustle these computers in the house? No, it was it was all my mom. It was uh, it was she who who bought like and and uh, and got all all of these together for us. She was really she was really amazing in that, and it um, and she always encouraged us to like like do that to 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 learn that to. She had good vision in this part that this this is the future. So go and learn it, do it, because that's what's going to matter. What did you, what did your mom do for work at the time then? Because you're and she's you're a teacher. She was a teacher. I mean, because you, you she's still a teacher, and she's still working today as a teacher. What subjects does she teach? Uh, everything like math, uh, chemistry, everything. She's a uh, um, the first, the first school. <laughs> yeah, uh, like this this one seven. to eight years. So, so then you and your brother spent a lot of time alone too. Then, right? Or yeah, I imagine then. I mean, I guess you went to school when she was teaching too. We all came home together. But yeah, I mean that that's tough. That you're yeah, that's tough. Oh, right, let's go back to eighth grade. So you've actually you you're finishing that first. You call that first. Um, yeah, and you're mm -hmm. getting in trouble already in computer science, breaking into uh, changing <laughs> passwords out to the point the teacher wants you out. <laughs> Did you do any other crazy yeah. things in that class <laughs> now that the teacher was just already against Gergi? Yes, I I remember that. Uh, what I used to do is um, uh, I like all the assignments were really boring because at that point <laughs> at that point i i learned my own stuff i wrote my own basic uh, with a friend of mine we we tried to develop a game together which which came sort of uh, uh far but i i was really bad at graphics so i just wrote the back back in the back code but still i had understanding good understanding of basic and uh, making making the screen flicker for example or whatever and uh, all the assignments that the teacher gave us were like really boring to me and so i used to just like write my own thing <laughs> and he used to come to me and um he after after he tried to get me uh, fired or removed or expelled or whatever uh, and it didn't work he kind of he kind of like had respect of some kind uh, after that and so he would always like just let me be like just just do my own stuff and then like not not even acknowledge or talk to me. Just give me a five. A five was like the highest highest grade. It's like one, two, three, four, five. And um, <clears throat> and uh, I just kind of did my own thing in classes. And I remember that after the eighth grade, we have like this uh, closing exam, which is like really huge. Like all of the eight years before that. Um, you have to fill out uh, and tests and, and answer questions and whatnot. And uh, it turns, and, and they always told us that, uh, that there will be no test regarding computer science. The, the other kids who did not enjoy it as, as much as I did, uh, like were very relieved that it didn't happen. But turns out it did. So I saw, I, I, like, I remember like going out to the table and writing down the code for all of them to copy. And the teacher and, was okay uh, <laughs> with you doing that? Like, but no one, no one understood like coding in the class, like no one except for me. And the, and the teacher like knew that. So he went like, all right, smoke break. 
<laughs> walked out of the class, I wrote down the code, everyone copied it down, and then wow. cleared the board. Wow. And then he came back all done. It's like, yep. Thanks. That's brilliant. <laughs> How cool is that? That's yeah. brilliant. That's cool. It was, that it cool. was really cool. All right. So you uh, allow everyone to pass their computer science section on the test. You now are going to the, the next level, right? Your ninth, 10th, 11th. And that's, must, I mean, that's a, a, a much, is that a much different kind of schooling experience as well, right? Yes, um, but mainly because I, I chose, like at that point, oh, it was a difficult time. Uh, a new subject came into the school uh, near me, which I, which I chose to go to. And this subject had a really awesome advertisement. Like they said, you are going to work with robotics. You are going to code robotics, uh, like robotic hand movements and pneumatics, uh, things with pistons and air. And you're, you're going to code that. And it was amazing. And microcontrollers. And I'm like, all right, sign me up. That's I want to do that. Yeah, this has got to be like 1999, 2000. They, they had this stuff, huh? Yeah, and uh, and it was super exciting. Turned out it's a it's a major flop, and it was all about uh, ISO standards, like learning learning standards, and uh, learning metallurgy, like in uh, uh, the, the way how metal uh, you can test metal. Uh, being being a um, uh, engineer around um, chemical testing facilities, ceramics, yeah, yeah ceramics, ceramics and things like that. And I'm like. Five five years. I did I did five years of that. I almost dropped out. Like this this is this is not something I want to do. But I I gotta have a degree of sorts. And so you couldn't leave right away. You couldn't you couldn't just quit. It's a big go to another school. Uh, yeah, technically you could, but then you lose like in like two three years or something like that, and you have to start from the beginning, including math, including all all that stuff. Oh my God! You must have been devastated. You must yeah, have I was. been in hell for the next four. I was, and that's why, and that's why I uh, I lost a year actually because of bad grades. I I didn't care at all about any of that, and I had to redo a full year. Uh, I didn't I didn't care about uh, um, history and any, <laughs> any of the non technical subjects, <laughs> like and and. Unfortunately, it was really difficult for me to learn. I have a, a very visual kind of way of learning, and I didn't, and neither my mother understood that at that time. And so it took me a long year to understand how I can actually learn, how I'm able to visualize knowledge, how I'm able to uh, draw graphs and draw uh, mind maps and things like that. That came a lot later, and uh, only because of my um my need to like improve my knowledge about about things and uh, this this set me back like a, a long time but i was doing my own stuff in the in the that's that's what i wanted to ask since you weren't doing schoolwork obviously um what were you doing were you just like playing games were you uh, what were you doing sports music what are you doing for those four years all of that <laughs> I was playing games. I was doing sports. I was uh, for a long time uh, doing kayak, uh, 
polo, which is basically water polo, but in kayaks. So it's like a really like hard sport. What? What do you do that out in the river? You can't be doing <laughs> yes. that in the pool. Yeah, in, in the river, you set up these uh, huge um, um, caskets, which you throw the ball in, and then you, you do that on a kayak. It's really on a canoe. Is that even in the Olympics? I, I don't think no. it is. <laughs> it's not. But it's a fun, it's a very fun sport. And it's like then instead of horses, you're yes. in kayaks. Yes. Was that okay? Was that part of the school's activity, no. or was that some external? What got yeah. you into that? What made you say like? What made you wake up one morning and go? I'm gonna play <laughs> kayak polo. <laughs> I saw it on a, on water. Uh, like I used to run in, in circles in a in a huge river, and I saw a a team playing it. I'm like. I want to do that <laughs> and i signed up <laughs> and i did it for like three so they gave you the years. kayak did yeah, you have to yes. buy your own no they give you all the equipment that's a that's amazing <laughs> I, I want to see you walk home and say mom i'm a kayak polo player now like your mom must have been like <laughs> like go back to your room leave me alone yeah what are you even talking about <laughs> <laughs> and i played uh, music for a long time uh piano and guitar can you still play those instruments? If I put you in front of piano, can you do anything? No, not the piano, but I do. I can play the guitar still. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. That's good. At home, I was doing uh, programming, though. Uh, I was building a small game called uh, Lavender, and it was just this tiny pixel thingy uh, shooting at other pixel thingies. <laughs> but it was... All in basic? Was basic? Yes. On basic. Oh, and uh, no, sorry, that was Pascal. That was Pascal. How did you find Pascal at that point? Um, I think it was through my brother. Uh, one of the magazines, I think, uh, uh, came with the Pascal code. And then that's where we started to learn it. Okay. So you fight through graduating. Uh, this second level of school you however you do it you graduate and now you have to decide what's next and you decided to go into this trade school yeah for software was it is it was it software development or was it like just about everything I, it was it was mostly software development so for example at the end of the two years i had a quasi diploma uh, work where I had to defend that work. And I wrote a accounting system. And back at the time, uh, I had like a side job in which uh, we were doing the accounting for whole uh, blocks of houses, like together. And uh, that required certain uh, uh, accounting uh, paperwork and things like that. And as I was thinking about what kind of software to write for my diploma, I started doing that at the half point of the second year and i wrote it in c sharp uh, we learned c sharp at that time and uh, i wrote it for my mother who was doing the most accounting and she was helping me with the, basically the domain knowledge she was explaining to me the domain knowledge on, on how to uh, how to do accounting and the domain language to use in the software i was writing so basically she was my product owner and uh, that was my first real product, uh, writing and accounting software. But accounting for like personal finances, accounting for personal finances? Uh, no, for the whole house, the whole block of houses. Yeah, I don't understand what that means. 
uh, it's kind of back in the old days, uh, these whole blocks of houses had their own separate uh, money deposits and money oh, like an association. Account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, kind of oh. like an association. So we were doing the accounting for that association. Okay, you had a, and you had a job with with that association. Yeah, and I helped my mother out in order to like uh, print the uh, invoices to do the regular updates to keep the track of the money and so on and so forth. And I totally flopped it because at the day where I had to like defend my diploma, I uh, <laughs> I brought in a I brought in a CD and uh, they, it was, uh, it, it was somehow scratched and it didn't work. So they didn't saw my code, my program at all. They couldn't like, all right, so where's your code? I'm like on the CD. I'm like, okay, let's try. So this doesn't work. Okay. So what now? <laughs> and they, they gave me the option to like, come back a year, like a year again or get to two, like this was, so one, two, three, four, five, five is the best, one is you're out. And they said, okay, we give you two because we can't see your code. Wait, 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 time out. You couldn't go home and produce another like CD and come back? That makes no sense. No, nope, that was, that, these were the, the, these were the rules. Like that was the time of your point to defending your stuff. And if you can't, then you're out. But two is passing. Well, I was passing, yeah, but like barely. I'm like, I don't care at this point. I don't care. I, I passed. That's it. Okay, I take it. I take the two and then just leave. I could have gotten a five and passed with like flying colors, but I don't. I just want to be done with this and then go work. <laughs> so after that, you always made two CDs every time you were going to copy something. Yes, and a USB stick. <laughs> several <laughs> you know that's mind-blowing to me to do that to somebody uh you're, you're that's my i can't even fathom the idea that i can't come back and oh my god dude uh, it was it was terrible but uh but you pass you have your you know we always we always used to say in university that your gpa isn't on your diploma so <laughs> yeah, that was our. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you get your diploma, right? You got the diploma. There's no GP. There's no two on that diploma. It's a diploma. It looks the same as all the people that got a five, right? Like it's all good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so now what happens? You you finish school. What year is it now? When you finish school, you said it was 2004. Yeah, 2004. 2004. Okay. And how old are you at that point now? Now you're like 20? You'd be like 20, I, 20 24, I think. 24, okay. Yeah, I think I was 24. So 24, it's 2004. You have your, your, your certificate. You're ready to enter the workforce. What are you doing? So the, there was an ulterior reason for choosing that two-year thingy because that two-year thingy uh, had a um, connection to a to a software uh, corporate corporation uh, called EPAM. At that point, it was Fatten Technologies, but later on it became EPAM. And I, I don't know if you know EPAM, but they are pretty large, like insane. At this point, I think they have over 20 something thousand workers around the globe. 
and they outsource people. So they are an outsourcing company. And they had a connection with this school saying everyone above an average of four, like the grade of average of four, and that's where the two comes. An average of four can get in and get an interview and uh, can get hired and start working as a software developer. So I'm like, okay, I have now a 3.5 because of this too. And like, I'm not getting in there. And a friend of mine actually who had a, a, better, uh, a better grade than me <clears throat> because he was paying attention, <laughs> a better grade than me got me into the interview by saying, dude, I got into the interview, just come, just, just tag along, like, just come with me. I'm like, but, but like, how? I mean, they know they only called you. Like, what, what am I, what am I supposed to do there? It's like, don't worry, just, just like sitting, don't worry, just sitting. And that's what I did. And I freaking went to his interview and sat in and they were like, <laughs> they let they were... you sit in during his interview. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They were like, who's that guy? So a friend of mine came with the interview. It's like, okay. All right. <laughs> this thing done. So you both got to interview at the same time, essentially. Yeah. And uh, at that point, um, it turns out that they didn't have a software development opening, but they had a tester, a, a test engineer opening. It's like, again, they said, take it or leave it. So you can like go away or work for us as testers in, in the first part and maybe transition to a software developer at a later point. I'm like, I'm not choosing, right? I'm, I'm not picky. Like, okay, tester, fine. I can automate stuff. I already like knew a little bit about that. And, uh, and yeah, I joined. How much did the job pay? How much did the job pay? Oof, I, uh, Do you remember? Uh, it was salary, question. right? Was it like 20,000 20, a year? Was it like, do you remember? I mean, you're uh, just out of school, you're 24. It's okay if you don't. I just, it's just. It's, it's a good question. It, I think it was more around 50,000. 50,000. 15, 15, 15. 15. 15. Yeah, 15. Gotcha. At that point, salary. like in 2004, yeah, maybe even below that. Like it wasn't great salary, but it was a salary. It was my first salary. It was a job. It was your first job. It was better than what you had. Yeah, it was a job and it was in computer science. I was, I was really happy. And then I met, uh, I worked there for 10, 10 years. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You had to go home and tell your mom you're quitting the association. Like was she, she must've been thrilled that oh, yeah. you went and got this job. Oh yeah, yeah. She she really was. She really was happy for me that I got the job. I at at that point that was in uh, in Budapest, and I was still living in Oroslain, which was a hundred kilometers from there, and we didn't have a car or anything like that. So I woke up at five a.m. to get to the bus <laughs> every time for four years. I woke up at five a.m. <laughs> go to the bus, go to Budapest, and then work until six p.m. ish wait another hour to catch the next bus getting home which was a one and a half hour ride get home at uh, around 9 9 30 almost 10 p.m ish go to bed wake up do it again yeah you lost four hours of your life every day on on a train 
How much did the train cost then? The train must have costed you. Luckily, the train was in uh, uh, compensated. So if you like uh, uh, traveled in from very far, then the company compensated your tickets, your monthly tickets. But you and your buddies didn't think about getting an apartment, chipping in, sleeping on a, on a couch at that point, something? Yeah, that was, but that came, that came much later. You, you have to remember that this is like, uh, this, was, this wasn't usual in Hungary to like get, and I didn't really, like all of my friends were already living in Budapest, so it was fine for them. <laughs> they didn't really want an apartment, so... For four years, I did that until I got my first, like, enough money together to rent a space. I rent, rent, a, rent a house, a uh, uh, room, sorry. I rented a room, which was like 15 to 20 uh, square meters, and, um, and, and that's all. Like, with a shared bathroom. Yeah, a large closet, yeah. Like, shared bathroom and kitchen with some family. <laughs> okay, but you must have enjoyed this job at some level because I mean, you, you you did that for four years. Like you must have, there must have been nights you didn't even go home. You must have yes, slept in the office correct. or something, right? Like I I slept in the office building b below my desk. <laughs> I mean, that's so in those. Okay, so you're at least for those four years, you're still doing the QA testing, right? I I did it for. For ten, for 10 years, the, the QA testing. However, I gradually got more into uh, the automation part and got into like uh, more management roles and senior tester roles after like this amount of year. So like 2014, 2014 gets you to about 10 years. So, I mean, that's a long time with one company. Did you see that same longevity from others that you had started with or were people doing two or three years and leaving? Because 10 years is a long time. It's a lot, but uh, you have to... Uh, so this is an outsourcing company. So I'm working, I'm working for EPAM. However, I'm always working on a different project every three to four, two to, two to four years. I'm working for a different client. So like I'm working for EPAM, but I'm working for different clients. So there were Americans, uh, Russians, um, Indians, uh, in, uh, people from London, a, a English company, um, Finnish, um, and a Swiss company as well. So there were a lot of uh, a lot of uh, companies going change. around. A lot of projects. Yeah, you were yeah, solving a lot of change. different problems. Okay, so that's not as bad as like being the same plan. Yeah, it still got repetitive. Like really, it got really repetitive because all of those we largely did the same thing. We sold the same thing, the same idea, the same automation, the same, all right, here is a Selenium, use that in Chrome, we already know this, this works, and so on and so forth. We developed an in-house uh, testing framework, which I was part of, that, uh, that was wrote, uh, written in Java, which we always used. Like, it was still repetitive. It took a friend of mine, after 10 years, to get me out of that hamster wheel get me out of that loop like saying dude there is so much more in this world than than doing this like you gotta come to london with me like leave leave hungary and come to london with me at that point i had a uh, i had a girlfriend uh, in budapest but he convinced me to like move to london 
and work for Camelot. Uh, Camelot is uh, the uh, British lottery company who makes the British lottery. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Before you get too far, before you get too far, I got some questions. Okay, I got questions. I got questions. <laughs> you establish a life for at least six years in Budapest, right? You, you have this, how long were you with this girl? Before uh, you... Only, at that point, only recently came together. So two years, maybe? Two years. So you, you have a relationship, you have a life, you've got a flat, you have friends. And did you ever feel you were on the hamster wheel and, and you were just happy with what you're doing? Or did you all, did you start to have these feelings like maybe I need to explore? I, st I, I did start to have these feelings. At that point, I came in contact with uh, James Marcus Bach, who is a brilliant tester. And um, and I started to to like listen to his uh, uh, videos, his podcasts, his whatever, read his book, uh, Buccaneer's Scholar, and uh, and it all like it all made sense to me, right? It, that that there's more that you need to explore, that you need to widen your uh, your your view, and and I felt like uh, I felt like I'm losing the the software engineer inside me. Like I was doing testing, but I was not doing development, which I always wanted. At some at some point, at some point, I wanted to switch to to software development, but that opportunity, of course, never came. And then I got into testing too far up the chain, where where if I would have switched to software development, I would have started at the bottom, like also payment-wise, also career-wise right from the bottom and i never i never dared to to make that move until this friend of mine came and told me to move out to london where the payment was a lot better <laughs> well more expensive too uh, yes but still the payment was really bad it was really good <laughs> and uh, and i got an opportunity to be in london and to partake in um, in things like code retreats or uh, meetups, uh, better meetups. Like in Budapest, in Budapest, there was nothing of that sort. Budapest was still very laid back. Nobody came to us, like uh, people like Uncle Bob or uh, or or G James or James Marcus or Martin Fowler. Fowler. <laughs> nobody, nobody came to Budapest to like do a presentation, talk to us, teach us something. It was too far away, and so in London. I had a great opportunity to meet these people, to meet to meet uh, uh, coders, and and become a better coder myself. And so, yeah, I said yes. So, so two two things. One, I want to know. I want to be the fly on the wall when you tell your girl of two years that you're moving. Like, how did that go? I, uh, actually, it went really well because she at that point she thought uh, that uh, everyone like she has a, another kid uh that everyone would move out to london that sadly uh didn't happen after three years i was three years in london uh that sadly didn't did never happen but it was always on the table so we embraced this opportunity and also had a pay <laughs> you stayed so you stayed together with her for another three years while you're in london were you traveling back and forth i'm actually married to her now Oh, so it all worked out in the end. I yes, see. that's that's awesome. All right, so you so you went and she stayed in Hungary, 
You yep. traveled back and forth, and then eventually yep. she comes to London, I'm assuming, or, or maybe we're too far ahead. So let's, let's not go there just yet. Uh, th that's, that's awesome. <laughs> the other thing is now, where are you going to live in London? I mean, you need roommates. So what's the plan there? Luckily, the first, uh, the, the company uh, Camelot uh, paid for the first month of rent for a for an apartment in uh, in Watford, and after that, the payment was so good that I actually could further afford uh, living there. So I lived in a small apartment, a very small like studio apartment, but still own apartment, one room, one main room with the kitchen and a small bedroom. And that was enough for, for myself alone. How far out is that from London? That was that Watford, uh, I think it's like, uh, four, ish kilometer or maybe 30 something. Yeah, not, not, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. But, uh, but at that point, the, the workplace was in Watford. They moved eventually oh. to London, oh, but, okay. which, uh, which, which was like kind of unexpected. Like, okay, so now I have to travel to London every day, <laughs> which was like, like 45, 50 minutes, but still travel again. Better than an hour and a half. <laughs> yes, definitely. I didn't wake up at 5 a.m. That's for sure. <laughs> and that in London was the time where it opened, opened my eyes a lot more and this friend of mine Martin who like in engaged me like kick basically kicked me to dude you're better than that do it like go learn do it you can do it and he was the one who actually like like fired me up to to be better or do more than I'm, than I'm doing now and he gave me uh, more tasks more complicated programming challenges we went to code ridges together uh i did my uh, convey of life um, life uh, game of life, conveys game of life uh challenge with the tdd and uh, and and all that and it was it was super exciting and that's when i got more into the programming side and <clears throat> in london i worked as a software engineer in test but a software engineer finally so i wrote code mostly for automation but from time to time i touched uh, a code for for live for the product. product for the product yeah for the product and that was uh the time where basically i got into build engineering and at camelot at camelot how long were you at camelot how long were uh, you there? three years so from like 2014 to 2017 yes okay uh, basically, our infrastructure was was like clobbered together with scripts, right? Who's, who's <laughs> like, isn't clobbered together who's with isn't? scripts? Yeah, clobbered together <laughs> with scripts. <laughs> bubble gum, bubble gum, rubber bands, and scripts. <laughs> yes. And there was this guy who was like a, a really intelligent person, but he in, inherited this infrastructure and he had like no stakes in it. Like he didn't have passion to improve it he just like, kept it going and at some point he said like okay i'm not doing this anymore and then quit and like, okay so who's doing who's gonna do our infrastructure and i remember exactly i saw a ticket that uh that one of our servers like like was uh, constantly rebooting and uh and something 
something was not working with the health check on that service, the health check being a freaking bash script, which was <laughs> like periodically pinging something in a cron job. And <laughs> it was it was awful. It it was it was only living on that server, right? There was like every server had a different kind of health check script. And uh, <clears throat> and I remember that it was so annoying that I said, all right, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Nobody was willing to pick it up. Like I'm going to do this. I'm I feel adventurous. Like uh, at that point, my imposter uh, syndrome thingy uh, kicked in, and um, what I do with that is whenever I feel inadequate, I try to identify why. I try to identify the the, the core reason of feeling inadequate, like feeling out of place. Am I just lucky? Am I just what what am I even doing here? And if I feel like, okay, so this is the thing that triggered it. Like, I don't understand this at all. How can I get payment for this? <laughs> <laughs> then <laughs> if I identify that thing, I will write it down. I will write it down in a, in a book and try to be the best at it for, from everyone. Like, okay, now I'm going to be a freaking professional in this thing that I do not understand at all at this time. So I, so I said, okay, I'm afraid of this, so let's do it. Wow, that's that's. When did that develop? When did that mindset develop? Because this is kind of the first time I'm hearing you say this, right? I mean, it it, it wasn't happening when you were at first or second level school. Um, I don't sure it even happened when you were in computers. So is this something that you learned when you were working in that first job, or something that you developed in this second job? It was it was something uh, I developed in the second job. So before that, uh, the testing the testing stuff and even the automation was kind of boring and easy, right? It didn't it didn't really challenge me. It was from time to time there were some challenging tasks, but it was nothing I didn't really understand or I didn't really already have experience with. So when Marathon came along and kicked me to like, dude. There, there's more than this and showed me like the first test or, or the first um, assignment or something like that. And I said, that, whoa, what, what is this? Like, I, I don't even understand the question. <laughs> and that, and that's when he said, uh, he said to me that, um, all right, read it again slowly and identify what you don't understand from it. And that's when I kind of started to, to chop up things to um to to try to understand them and also uh james uh the, the buccaneer scholar had a really good passage uh from james marcus uh, that said that you are your worst enemy and basically your mind if you set your mind to something to some task then there is nothing you cannot understand and do given time and and that then that that clicked with me like everyone, everyone's trying to uh, trying to be hasty, like uh, trying to speed things up. Like you have to get this out of the door now. You have to get, but but I I, I need time to like sit down, analyze, and understand the problem domain, understand what this is about, and I don't really like like hastening things up. And that's when I sort of uh, I sort of understood that that this is how this is how I am. This is how I do it and started to write it down. Writing, however, is an integral part of me being me. 
like I always write. I always have a book with me. I always write. I always like write a ton uh, thoughts, uh, ideas. Even if I have a task, I write down the task in my own words. And uh, if I cannot write it down in my own words, I know I do not understand it properly. And I will try again, again, and again until I can write it down in my own words. So yeah, this is this is when I understood I need to do this in order to overcome my uh like blocking like i need to i'm afraid of that stuff so i need to do it is martin still in your life because he sounds like he's one of these people that was a major influence uh, at that time to get you where you are today is he still in your life uh unfortunately no uh he's he's kind of still there from from time to time but we i moved back home and he stayed in london and then we sort of drifted apart but other people are still in my life from london like three guys uh isaac adrian and james they are my best buddies one of the like four people i'm really best buddies with um they influenced me a lot too uh, especially adrian another uh, tester on my team who we did a python course with like uh, dude let's do a python course i'm like okay yeah sure that course, like in Coursera, really, really helped uh, develop, uh, develop myself, develop my understanding and develop the way I, I do things. And I did it with him and that also helped. Like this, com this comradeship or whatever, like really helped. And then when I got into build engineering, uh, he was also the one encouraging me, like, dude, you should, you should totally do this. Like, this is... This ticket has your name written on it. I'm like, what? I don't understand anything of that. So did you end up, you ended up solving that problem then? You fixed the script, you fixed the service, and you started, did that turn into a snowball at Camelot to start fixing just about everything you could get your hands on? Yes. That was the first thing that made me go down the build engineer, cloud engineer, and later on infrastructure engineer path that I'm on now currently and I really love. That first ticket, uh, I, I took it apart. I took the script apart, line by line. I tried to understand it and I translated it into by then uh, Puppet. So I put it into Puppet immediately like, okay, this is, this is I, I knew that this is really wrong, but there's a script like this. And I tried to do, uh, I tried to improve it. And by trying to improve it, it really made me understand it better. And this is when I, I started to go down this path. This was by the end of my last year at Camelot, where we talked with my now wife that, okay, so I need to move home because our relationship is starting to strain and I'm starting to lose a lot of money by traveling back and forth uh, from London to Budapest. And I needed to make a, a choice between her or London. And I obviously chose her. You really loved her. I mean, three years, man. You, yeah. you didn't want to let her go. She obviously yes. wasn't coming to London. So, yeah. so that's interesting. So you decide that she's more important and you're going to move back to Hungary, but you got to find a job there. So, what, so now it's like 2018. What do you do? That, that turned out to be a really good choice for me. Because when I moved back to Budapest, I didn't choose a tester role. Like, all right, I don't want to work as a tester ever again. <laughs> I 
Not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I want to. You did it. You've done it for over a decade. I mean, I yeah. mean, you're done. Yeah. Like, there's nothing more to it's do there. Enough. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that's when I went to uh, Chemaxon, a, a biology. Um, they were building um, software for medical purposes, like uh, chemists and uh, and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I no understanding of how that works, but. I have a good understanding now of uh, Enzibel, Shaft, Puppet, uh, Packer. At that point, Packer uh, came into view from HashiCorp. And I'm like, all right, I understand that stuff now. I want to do that. And they were looking for a build engineer. I'm like, all right. I'm I'm pretty sure. They didn't call it build. They, did, they didn't call it a build engineer at the time, though, right? I mean, 2018. Yeah, they did. They did. They, they called okay. it a build engineer, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, infrastructure engineer or something like that but it was a build engineer and i'm like i'm not going to be able to do this like i don't i did this for like half a year i know nothing about this and that's when i said all right i gotta do it i'm i'm afraid i'm gotta do it so you applied you applied an interview yeah i applied an interview then i got the job i love this idea i dude i love this idea of um, I know I'm afraid, so now I'm gonna do it. Like, I'm. It, it's that's that is. You know, I have these moments where I'm feeling afraid and frustrated. It happened to me this week, and I was ready to give up. And then I woke up in the morning. I said, "I'm removing everything I did, and I'm starting over. I'm not gonna let this beat me." It's kind of that same thing, right? Like, I'm not gonna let this beat me. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, all right, so I have I have to do this. I really enjoy this. I have to do this, and uh, and yeah, I got I got the job, which then again my imposter <laughs> syndrome like, oh my god, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, oh oh my god, I'm dead. So now you move back. Do you move in with your you you move in with your girl at that point? Yes. Right. Moved in. That's that must have been super interesting, right? Because yes. you've been living on your own for the most part. I mean, you spend a weekend or something but living with somebody's a whole nother bag of worms but it was a bicycle ride away from the workplace so win-win <laughs> no rent just got cheaper too so yeah win-win-win-win-win-win <laughs> indeed so i did i did that for a lot of uh for like uh nine months i believe yeah nine months uh and that was the point where <clears throat> i was discovered by a headhunter who said, dude, I have this amazing opportunity for you to work with Go. And because at Chemaxon, I got into writing Go. Uh, that's, where, that's where I first met Go. That was like five, six years ago or something like that. Yeah, 18, well, about four years ago. Yeah. And I really fell in love with the language. Like it rekindled my love for coding. Like at that point I did, for more than a decade, like Java, and I was burnt out. <laughs> I was burnt out of enterprise software and burnt out of uh, Spring and uh, attributes and annotations and oh, all that crap. But I saw Go and I'm like, this is amazing. How did the headhunter find you? Were you going to meetups again? Were you out? Were you like, was it just a cold email that shows up in your inbox one day? I think it was through LinkedIn. I think at that point I was reg registered in, at LinkedIn and I think he found me there. 
Yeah. You weren't yes, looking. Yes. I mean, you no, weren't I looking. No, I wasn't looking. For, I mean, you no. were happy. I mean. Yeah. It was sort of. Um, I wanted to work. I wanted to work with Go professionally. Oh no, I I was actually a bit looking, like a tiny bit. And um, yes, oh, I remember now. Oh, that was a long time ago. But I was looking a tiny bit because I wanted to see if there's anything, any chance to work with Go professionally and learn on the job. So you had <laughs> discovered I... Go. So you had discovered Go in this job already, and you were like, I really want to do this full time. So you started kind of planting seeds or, or, or poking around, and this headhunter pops up. Yeah, and this headhunter pops up and said that, dude, there's a company here in Budapest who who wants to work with Go and does cloud infrastructure with AWS. And I'm like, all right, sign me up. At that point, I did Advent of Code. I don't know if you know that one. It's a kind of like a puzzle site uh, where you have like 25 days of puzzles uh, slowly getting available as the day goes by. And I did that in Go the first year yeah, 50 puzzles because there are two puzzles per day. So I did all that in Go in order to learn more about Go. Did you put all that stuff in a repo so you had it available yep. for people to look at? Yeah, yeah. that's that it was is. huge because now you had a, a resume of code that you could showcase, not, which is so important. Not the best code, but still. It didn't matter. What's <laughs> still you code? Got, you solved 50 problems. Like I tell people all the time, your resume is great, but you need some form of a repo of code. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to work, right? Yes. And so I did that and I went to the interview at Christmas. I remember, yeah, it was... It worst was time just... to be looking for a job. Yes, like Christmas. the worst. <laughs> Everybody's away. You're interviewing yes. at that time. I'm interviewing at that time. And I got, the, I got to an interview and it went really well. Oh my God, I remember. I looked up some stuff uh, in AWS, I had no idea about AWS, but I read the doc and I played around with it and I wrote a software using the Go SDK, uh, which is called Furnace. It was like, it was nothing. It was a small thing uh, using cloud formations to deploy code. But that's, that's how I learn. I write stuff. I have over, I don't know, 100 or 200 repos just full of code, just writing random stuff. Like, but this is this is how you do it. This is how you learn. And well, I do it. And for every opportunity, I had some code already. And uh, and I went to the interview. I remember I knew nothing about AWS other than what I read in the docs, and other than what I wrote with uh, with Furnace. And I had such luck that every question was right there what I <laughs> wrote or read. Five days prior <laughs> to the interview. <laughs> and hey, I got... You know, you got to be good to get lucky. I learned this yeah. from an eighth grade English teacher. You have to be good. He would beat me in ping pong every day. And I'd say, you lucky. He goes, Bill, you got to be good to get lucky. That is true. And you have to just carpet bomb like stuff. Like, you know, like I, I read this and that and that and that and that. And I put together some kind of picture. And I already understood infrastructure. I already knew what it probably meant in the background, right? So then they asked me about Route 53 or 55 or whatever it's called. 
uh, and then routing and VPCs and networking and EC2s and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. This, this, blah, 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 I read that. So it was kind of like I came prepared and I was in luck because they mostly utilize CloudFormation and EC2 instances to do stuff. And I already did that. So yeah, Vim for me and, and Vim for them too, because I already understood and did that stuff. And, <clears throat> but turns out sadly, um, that company was in contact with a different company in the US called Acquia. And I started to work for them, but there was no go. It was all PHP and Ruby, uh... which I had zero ideas about PHP or Ruby at that point. Or oh, interest. Okay, right. Or interest. But I met a really cool guy called Balaj, who is my, who is still my best friend to this day. I actually, yeah, we, we are in a really good relationship. Who was like Martin for me, who pushed me constantly towards like to, to better yourself, to do this, you can do this. You can do that. And that's why I stayed. I stayed there for like three years to, to like learn because in the end, it's, it's all knowledge. It's all experience. Even if it's PHP, it's, it's fine. It's still coding. It's still programming. It's still something I, I have to, or can learn about the infrastructure. It was more AWS for me than about the PHP and about the coding. It was more about understanding infrastructure because I'm an infrastructure engineer in, in the in the end. What makes you leave that company? I'm assuming for the company you are at now. Uh, not yet. <laughs> I went to, yeah. Oh, cause we're like, we're in like 20 right now. Right? Like you're, <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. I went to Arango DB for a while and what made Mongo me DB. Go. Yeah. Arango DB. Oh, nice. Okay. It's a, it's a multi faceted database, but it had uh, it has a cloud solution and I went there for a year. I worked there for a year using Go. I, I went there to work in Go uh, because eventually I wanted to work with Go and the opportunity did never arise. Sadly, I did really enjoy working with those guys, but I wanted to go to go to, to go. So I quit and went to Arango. But at that point, I also spoke at events like, uh, 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 GopherCon, I went to GopherCon uh, uh, 2016 or 17 or, or 18, something like that. I, I gave a little talk about robotics uh, using Go. And so I started to like challenge myself doing the things I'm more afraid of. And Arango was one of those things because it was intense. Uh, we were three guys, four guys, building a huge infrastructure for this database. And it was really intense. It was really like difficult. Yeah, I did, I, I did that for a, for a year. And then I had to switch because of uh, different circumstances in my country. Um, payment was not so well, it's a long story, but I had to switch. However, it came the opportunity to work for Vworks, And Vworks was a company I was following because of Kubernetes for years now. And I really wanted to work for them actually. But I didn't ever get the chance until uh, like a couple months ago, uh, Alexis, uh, I, went, I, I got into contact with Alexis and talked that, hey, I want to work for you. 
Were you doing any Kubernetes before this job, or is this job your first? Arango, of... uh, the yeah. first with Kubernetes. Arango was with the, the the first with Kubernetes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. With so like intensive a... Kubernetes operators, uh, all the all the jazz, like all the intricate small pieces, because the database had to work at all cost. So it was really intense. Well, God, running a, a anything stateful in Kubernetes is is going to bring your knowledge level up quite a bit, right? I mean, it's it's really a stateless environment at the end of the day. So, so it was it. I was in stance, and then Alexis wrote me back that yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, whoa, okay, let's do this. So, <laughs> like, I didn't, I did not expect that. <laughs> If you don't ask, you can't receive, right? I say it all the time. Right. If you do not ask, right? you cannot yes. receive. Yes. So I just had to ask, and uh, and I got an amazing interview with Maz, um, and uh, she asked me, and and Maz and Jake uh, asked me a bunch of questions about uh, Go, about distributed systems, of which I learned at that point a lot about with uh, with Arango. And also doing courses. Like I, again, distributed systems was something I did not understand and I was afraid of. So yeah, I'm gonna get a. That this is this is what I'm going to do now. <laughs> so I did the MIT course on uh, distributed systems, and it's a really awesome course. Like it's really granular. It's really it's really goes it really goes into the details. Explains Raft. Explains uh, a lot about. Um, distributed locking and whatnot so it was it was really an amazing course and i did the whole thing of it and then went to do this interview already prepared <laughs> so i was in luck again uh, answering some good questions and i got the job and it's and it's amazing i feel i feel really happy here and i and it's a really understanding environment with lovely people who are like my like-minded than myself and you're you're setting yourself up really for the next five to ten years with this tech because it's it's, it's not going anywhere and you're, you're going to be one of those people that just really understand it inside and out yeah and this is this is why i wanted to do this like at vworks we are now building something to make developers lives easier we are working on a on a uh, a package management for for kubernetes which will tackle just the problem that you just described and my brother described, like how, how do I get my stuff into this thing and then not worry about it at all. And this package management will, will do that for you. You just describe you what you want to have, where it is, and then it will, it's kind, kind of like a, a package management tool, but for Kubernetes and uh, uh, using Flux, which is an amazing tool that they also wrote. So it will be declarative, it will live in, uh, it will be versioned, it will live in Git. Um, so it's really awesome. And I see the future in that, that once once it's done, it will be an, an amazing piece of work. And, and I really hope that it's all open source. Like everything that we work does is open source. And that's, and that's another thing I really love about this company. So it's all open source. So I really hope that it will help developers' lives make it will it will make their their lives easier and understanding Kubernetes. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know my biggest problems is like fine, I deployed it. How do I get to my logs? 
How do I open up a port to my database, which is sitting over there? Like, the networking is a nightmare. Accessing my logs is a nightmare. Like, you gotta, you can't just solve the deployment problem. Great, I got three instances of this service running somewhere. Like, now I need access. Like, oh, these are hard problems. I, I, I really don't want to be working on them. I'm glad you're working on them. <laughs> that's like, like that's that's the the heavy lift is that that last piece You're like give me secure access to all that so this is amazing like amazing where how you started out and now kind of where you where you are and and uh, you're married you, you had to marry her right you got married yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah, that was it yeah you got married <laughs> um, brilliant this is really brilliant stuff. I, I really appreciate you sharing this story because I just kind of love where, where it went. I love the idea that I'm afraid of it. So, so it, it made me think like, I want to take you in front of a haunted house and have you say, no, I'm afraid <laughs> to go in there, but now I've got to go in. Like, right? Like I got to go in no matter what happens. Like this is it. So I, I kind of love that. I love that philosophy, but when you're saying like I'm afraid of it, so I'm going to do it. I mean, I have to imagine it takes some co coaxing, right? Like you just don't immediately say I'm going to do it. Like I'm sure, like you fight, fight with that for a couple of days in your head before you finally say, "Stop this!" I, like let's just go for it. Yes and no. It it depends. Sometimes I'm able to overcome it easily. Like uh, some sometimes it it's uh, like I write it down and then understand that okay, this is what I'm afraid of, so I. So so let's do it, and then I immediately start doing it. But uh, but sometimes yes, it it takes a bit of like, okay, okay, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. I can do this. Like my brother uh, did this, uh, I can do this too, or or whoever did this already, so I can do this too. Like it it really it really took took these people in my life to to like make me understand that I'm. If if I if I want if I really want it or or set my mind to it, then I then I'm able to do it. I like what you're saying better. Like since I'm afraid of it, I'm going to do it. But I've always told people you've never failed in anything you've really tried to do. Like so, why do you think you're going to fail now? Like this is the way I've always thought about it in my head. Or you've never really failed. Like of course you made mistakes and of course this didn't work and that. But at the end of the day, like you had success. Like. Why do you think now you're going to fail all of a sudden? Like, you're not, if you put the time and effort in it. But I love the idea that since I'm afraid of it, that that's almost a mandate that I've got to now, now do this. Like, I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm never going to lose that. That's going to be with me now for the rest of my life. <laughs> cool, man. I'm really, I'm really glad that I could add something to this. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're really happy where you are and you're working on problems and you're, and you're coding in Go and this is great. Okay, so we're, we're just about out of time. So a couple of things. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to you after listening to this, what is the best way that they can reach out? We'll put it in the show notes too, but if they're listening right now, what's the best way to reach out to ask you any questions? Um, the, the best way is really via email. Like I, um, I'm on some platforms like uh, Reddit or or Twitter. Uh, I can also answer on Twitter. I usually notice it pretty uh, like a, <laughs> a day or two. <laughs> I notice that someone ping me, 
but uh, email is usually like. What's your Twitter handle? What's your Twitter handle? It's a Scarlso. S K S K A R L S O. I think we need a whole other podcast for that name. <laughs> uh, Villainous yeah. names, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Naming is hard. Uh, yeah. There we go. Okay, so we got that. All right. Thank you, dude, for the for this time. This was this was awesome. I really thank appreciate. Thank you for having me. All right. So this is Bill Kennedy with the On Labs podcast. Thank you for joining me and uh, Gergay. And hope to see everybody again real soon.